So when you talk about vision boards, much like everything, and one of my big passions, I, everybody hears me so much, it uh, gets tiring, but I'm always wondering why certain things work for certain people and maybe not others, right? And then, I, and I always default to something I'm very familiar with, addiction recovery. You know, we can create a protocol and it may work for this amount of people. And then some other people come in and do, from the things we can see from the outside, they do everything that we ask and they don't succeed, you know? And for that, I'll just, I default to the 12-step program. You know, I see people come in, do what they tell them to do, 90 meetings, 90 days, get a sponsor, uh, do this, do that, change equipment, and they do great, boom. You know, never drink again, they're fine. Other people come in, they do the nine, they do everything that the other person did, and it doesn't work, right? Yet, that's what we gotta go back to, yet, right? It, it hasn't seemed to work yet. And so I gotta give myself a note. I remember talking about the rat, the rat another rat study. Um, so, so when you look at something like vision boards, which have been around forever, right? And, and what's kind of interesting, when, when you tie it into something I've developed a passion for in the last year, which is trauma, tra trauma, uh, every, I'll, just, I'll mute everybody, excuse me. Uh, doo -doo. Okay, good. So yeah, make sure you're muted. I think everybody's muted, right? Uh, so anyway, trauma, it sounds like funny, I have a passion for trauma, right? Uh, usually uh, installing it, not removing it. But anyway, we talk about trauma and how it works, right? Well, it's really started a breakthrough in how psychology is approaching a lot of things. It seems to be leading the bell curve because a lot of times what happens in research, you know, gets picked up by practitioners, but it's a slow curve for the great majority of the practitioners to pick up the new, the new techniques, you know, the new things. It took, when I first got into this stuff in the, in the mid eighties and stuff, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy was just really gaining traction, right? And now it's the default in everything, right? And so if, if we could look at that model, how long it took for a lot of the practitioners to go from, you know, insight therapy, Freudian approaches, even Jungian into cognitive behavioral, it took a while, you know, decade, decade and a half. I haven't really looked at it. It took a while. Now it's the default. And the only thing that made it switch over was the fact it worked better than the other stuff. And the tr change here in the States, I can only talk about the States, was driven by the fact the insurance companies want to pay for the stuff that works and works the quickest. So you were, you had a nice practice in Virginia, if you were there, Billy, and you weren't going to do cognitive behavioral. Uh, those of us that ever dealt with insurance, you start getting the flags, you start having the right hours of paperwork, trying to get reimbursement. But if you were doing CBT, it's like, here's your check, here's your check, here's your check, you know, because they cut the, that's when they cut the number of sessions down, right? When I first got in, it was, it was pretty much, you just did all the sessions you want, the insurance company paid, and then it got shorter and shorter. And now, you know, uh, it's like maybe you get three or six pre-approved and then you got to reapply for more things. And, and a lot of that was, I think, driven by cognitive behavioral uh, therapy because it had a, it's, it seemed to work better, right? And when you look at, 
and what we're going to tie all this together with vision boards. Trust me. See, I got my vision board. Oh, that thing's crooked, but that's it. We're going to actually use a whiteboard today. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, so you see the changes start to happen, right? Um, and so when you look at like, you know, how traumas have uh, changed therapy, because it's, it's actually opened the scope of how people have to look at things. The medical model approaches you as you are, you're, you're basically your body's an instrument to carry around your head, right? It's almost like they're not connected. Your, your psychological state has nothing to do with your physical body, right? And a pure medical model will approach it that way, you know? And I know a lot of people worship the ground this guy walks on, but part of what he does drives me crazy. Dr. Fauci and his like, yeah, sure, lockdown, no problem. It's not going to affect you, you know? It's like, I think it's going to affect a lot of people, right? You have no inter interpersonal communication. What if you live alone? Now, all of a sudden, now, you know, even your day, one of my friends is, well, here in Florida, it only took 60 days. But when the lockout happened, he had no one to eat with for 60 days. He could only get drive through that's rather depressing, you know, your body. And then of course, does your phys, does your psychological state affect your immune system? Well, hell yeah. So anyway, it's the, it's that. So the medical model, the psychological model has issues when the fact they think it's all about thought, change a thought that'll change everything. You know, what goes back, like I say, back to the sixties and seventies, it would be if you had insight that was all you needed for change. That was all you needed. You got good insight. You, you understood why you were doing things. It would change your behavior. Is that true? Anybody, you can nod or not nod. Is that true? Does anybody know people that understand why they do screwed up shit, but they keep doing it? Yeah, it just gives you insight, you know? So there's, there's limits to the cycle. And then it kind of switched to just change the thought and that will change the beliefs. Well, do you or anyone you know have conflicting thoughts? Or does your thoughts conflict with your beliefs? Or does your thoughts conflict with your actions? You know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then when you're doing it, now you feel even worse and it starts this cycle. So psychology can sometimes overlook the physical aspect. And there's limits to it. There's limits to it. I always, my joke always is, the classical limit to it is, you know, Woody Allen in therapy 50 years and he marries his daughter, right? I don't know. I would fire myself as your count, as your therapist if you married your daughter. I know it's his stepdaughter, but still, I would like, I failed you, son. It's time to move on. You know, I understand you like them young, but there are, there's, <laughs> there's some, you know. Uh, anyway, so there's limits to that. And then when you look at the trauma model with, uh, you know, Stephen Porges, um, Je Jenna Fisher, I'm trying to think of some of the other, um, is it Rosenberg? There's all these people that started the trauma model and it's kind of tying in the physical and some of the psychological, right? But it's, it, it begins to make things at different levels, right? And so it begins to come more into, into a flow. And so when you look at that, it's like, hmm, this, this makes sense. And so when you look at like something like a vision board, right? And, and you're looking at like people make a vision board. Um, no one really shows you how to do it. They tell you cut out pictures or, you know, draw little things, whatever you're going to do. You're just going to create a vision board. 
right? And it seems to work because it can give your brain some focus, right? But this leads into how your neurology actually works, right? Your neurology and your brain works differently than most people think. Some of it seems counterintuitive, right? Because when you're looking at things, right, you either have one or two things, right? Which you have a broad base of, of, of focus. You're looking at the big picture, right? You have a broad base of focus, which can be good, right? And so it's kind of like an NLP, we say, you know, are you global or are you specific? So you got a broad base of, of what you're looking at, right? And there are times when you have a broad base of looking at something is quite successful. Opens up your peripheral vision, you can see a goal, you can move towards it. But it has limits. And what we have to do is begin to train our brains to flip back and forth between this broad vision, as they call it, right? and a narrow focus of vision, where you're focused on one thing at a time. And there are times they both can be very useful. You know, if you wanna lose weight, so you get a broad picture of, of the goal of you losing weight, you wanna weigh, I don't know, pick a weight, right? So you, here's your goal weight, right? Let me move my hand so you can see it. There you go, yep, yep. Take direction, Will, it's what you, it's your two professions, doing this and, and acting, you should learn. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so you got your, here's your goal right? Great. But what can happen if you have a narrow focus, the cupcake today will, will be there and that's all you're going to see and you'll lose, the bit, you'll lose what, what the ultimate goal is. And you won't think of, okay, it's just, and you'll justify, it's just one cookie. It's just one candy bar. And yeah, one cookie, one candy bar, one cupcake, it's not going to get you fat. But a cookie, a, a couple cookies, a candy bar or two a, a day, whoosh, you know, you're, you're, you're buying new clothes and not in a good way, right? So there are times you need to be able to flip between, okay, what's my goal? I can see that goal. So now you're looking at the temptation, whatever it happens to be, you know, but if you pull back from it and then you see like, nah, if I eat that now, it, it's not really helping me get toward my goal, right? So some people know this intuitively, right? And um, there's a book um, I had, and I forgot about it. Uh, Billy brought it back up. Clear, what's the name? Clear, it's on my phone. I don't have my phone in front of me. Uh, yeah, Clear, Closer, Better. How successful, see, how successful people see the world. It's written by, it's very well, well written, by the way, right? And it's, it's got funny anecdotes. It, it's, it's easy to read, I should say, or in my case, listen to on Audible. It's easy, right? And she's a research nerd. That is what she does for a living. She's a research psychologist, a research social psychologist, right? And it makes sense, but she makes it understandable. But what, you know, she, she studies like certain things. And one of the studies she pointed out is certain people do certain things almost intuitively or just luck of the draw. And she looked at successful marathon runners. This one was this one made sense to me. I go, when I went back and read, I go, ah, oh, this makes total sense, right? And so how do, you know, that's it's not an easy thing to one run, is it 26.2 miles, right? That's that's a long way to run, right? Hell, it's a long way to drive in my case, right? But tough crowd, I'm here till Thursday, tell your friends. Anyway, um, so how do, why do some people succeed and others don't, 
right? And how do they look and think about the race? And so she started talking to some of the people that were like really elite runners. And they did things differently than other people's. People's, people's, yes, I speak for a living. Other people. And one of the things she kind of spun out of this is the successful people would constantly flip back between a focus, narrow focus, like look at the runner in front of me. I'm gonna catch this runner, right? And so that's my focus. That's easy to do. It might be a hundred, they might be a hundred and pick. And she said the good ones would pick when the race first started, they'd pick a little bit, not just the person in front of them, but like several people up or quite a bit up because it challenged them and your brain would lock, their brain would lock in and they would get to that one, right? And then the minute they got to that one, they would pull back a little bit, go kind of broad focus, think about the end goal, which is the, the making it to the end of the race. And then they'd pick another specific target, right? And then once they crossed, if they got into the lead, well, they can't do that anymore, right? And if let's say they're what most people drop in those things around, I think she said 16 to 19, 18 mile markers. But a lot of people, even the elite runners have a tendency to drop out because your body just hits the wall with the lactic acid and the oxygen things. And it's just, you know, um, so you, and, and if you're in the lead, you have no target to look at. So what do, what do you do then? Well, they would, then they would flip over to a narrow focus of is the pain of continuing worth the joy I'll feel when I cross the finish line? So is the pain I'm going through right now, because it hurts. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a long distance runner. I never could. But, um, but I know this is the same for like other exercises. Is the pain I'm going through now, can I make it through this to get to the end goal? Right? And that will keep you going. And again, it's the flip, you know, between, yeah, my legs hurt or I've got the burn in my, the lactic acid buildup, especially in my, in my calves and it's killing me. But then you pull back and okay, there's the goal. If I quit, I won't get the pleasure of finishing this. Right? And so they would flip back and forth. And then I was reading somewhere where they, somebody uh, had looked at like, how do people make it through grueling physical things, right? Billy's familiar with some of these. Um, uh, RIP, Ranger Indoctrination Training in the Program in the Army. Uh, Hell Week, the, the things SEALs have to go through. I forget what Marine Recon calls theirs, but there's a, you know, and the people that make it, they focus on the task at hand because that's what you got to do when you're in that kind of training. But at the same time, they're constantly thinking about is the pain I'm going through this bullshit now being in 60 degree water and I haven't slept in three days worth how I'm going to feel when I get out of this training? And those that placed a high enough value on getting this goal over here would make it through. Because it's not always, you know, I mean, I, I heard a chief talk once, a guy that was a DI at the, at the SEAL thing say, it, they, they, they couldn't figure out who was going to make it because the guy, some guys would show up that like, perfect shape, they should be able to do this. They're out in 24 hours. And that little scrawny SOB in the corner, you know, he's he's graduating, you know, hell week and going on to the next phase, right? So what's the difference? So it's able to, to focus on this and then pull back and see a broad scope. 
right? And to, to either intuitively know how to do this, which maybe some of us are taught in different ways. Yeah, as Yvonne said, the thoughts of joy bring the dopamine, which can override the short-term pain. Um, so you're flipping back and forth. So, so now, okay, so when it comes to vision boards, right? What's, what's, we're gonna have to be able to tie this kind of together, right? And so one of the first things you have to realize is much like the guys running, you know, or people making it through any kind of high performance training, mental or physical, the, the reasons you want to get there, the payback you're going to get is going to be totally different for everybody. You can't install the same thing in everybody, you know, and, and some of the, I think, I won't say some of the thought actually is mine, is that one of the problems is uh, we try to adapt the beliefs that, that don't work for you, right? So you got to begin to figure out what really drives you, not everybody else, right? And so, so in kind of what a vision board, what a lot of people do, and a lot of us do, is you'll put the pictures up there, right, of things that you want to accomplish. That's why they call it a vision board. And because your visual cortex uses up most of your brain power when you're thinking, or a lot of your brain power when you're thinking, right? So you want to use pictures or images is even more important to me that work for you and not everybody else, right? And I would add the first mistake I think we make in a vision board, right? Or a lot of us make is much like the runner at their, they're starting out, they're not picturing 26.2 months, right? They're, they're starting RIP, right? Ranger indoctrination program, right? You're not thinking day eight when you can finally go to bed right? They're, the runners are thinking, they pick a target that they can accomplish. Like there's a runner 200, yard, 200 yards in front of me that I can see, I'm going to catch that person. That's the only thing I'm going to focus on. Everything else gets blocked out. I'm going to catch that person, right? So if you were putting together a vision board, what makes sense to me is let's say you're going to put a house up there. What, what would be a good target that you could focus on? What would be a good vision? What would be a good image? that is somewhat achievable when you look at it, right? So if you're sitting down and you got a nice little house and you're picturing the next house, whatever it is, can you jump from where you're at to buying Tony Robinson's, Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins, you know, $30 million palatial estate over there in Deerfield Beach, Florida, right? You know, with the whatever it is, 15 bedrooms, 10 baths, a helicopter port and everything else. And maybe that's a big jump. Does that make sense to everybody? So maybe the next step is a million dollar house, you know? And then, cause you, yeah, so, but it has to light you up, but let's say the targets, whatever the target is, you put that on your vision board, right? And then the way your brain seems to work, at least my hallucination of it, is you need to focus on specific tasks or specific goals that you want, right? Because uh, in that book, and then in another book I've, I've been listening to, they also say why multitasking is not necessarily a good thing. We act like it is, 
and intuitively you think it would be, but it's absolutely horrible, right? Right? And so, but some of us are forced to do that, but your brain can compartmentalize very well, right? And so what a lot of us, and what I've done, and, and I looked at, you know, people put their vision board up and there's a picture of a new house right here. Here's a picture of a new car. Here's their ideal body right, right next to it. And then there's, uh, you know, a, a thriving practice or a speaking career. There's their book. So it's like a, just a, basically the word would be a collage of all these pictures, right? So if you glance at it, I guarantee you, if you really do that, you will be drawn to one thing first, because that's the way your vision has a tendency to work. You just take it all in. Yeah, it's a big scope, but it's like part of it gets to is how the hell do these things relate? Right. And then what's my brain? What can I lock onto? What's that? What's who's the runner 200 yards in front of me that I can catch? You know? And so what if you, you what if you approach it differently? And since since this, you know, seems to be what it is flipping between the two types of vision. You know, if you glance at your vision board, so you're glancing at it and then you focus in on one specific thing. So what if. I got to figure out how to, how would I do Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, hey. If I don't choke myself on my thing, let me fix my, my whiteboard. I go high tech, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely high tech. Okay. So what if you take your vision board and you break it down differently, right? So... It, right in the middle, because tendency when we glance at something, we have a tendency to look uh, at one spot. So what if in the middle, you put a, uh, an image, I won't use the term picture, but an image for you that would represent the overall uh, uh, thing that you want from your vision board, you know? And so, and it might be like one or two images. Like, let's say, I'll just give you mine. There's a picture of like my, of, of how I want to look because I'm a physical guy that's important to me. I also know I could accomplish everything else. If my health is shit, it does not matter. Right? So I got a picture of that. And then let's say you put a picture of like the house, which could represent just about everything. You know, if you have your whatever the next house is, and it's somewhat believable, right? It's a believable house, right? Um, so it'd be like one step up from wherever you are now, or two steps up, but not, you know, a palatial manner right off the bat. So this is like your first thing. And then rather than take a scattershot shot approach, what if you do, as, as you know, the book that B Billy uh, reminded us of, you begin to break it down into quadrants. Quadrants. So like up here in the corner might be physical things, right? Your physical. So get a picture of like the ideal body you want, you know, whatever would represent perfect health to you, right? Uh, whatever it is. So this little quadrant's health, right? Over here might be a little quadrant for transportation. If you're if you're a car person, I know not not everybody is, you know. So it might have like, you know, new trucks, an RV, cars, whatever it is. So that's that. 
right? Does this make sense to everybody? I'm kind of going somewhere with this, right? And then let's say over here would be, because a lot of us have multiple careers too, right? You may have a private practice, but you also want to maybe do stage shows or you want to do speaking. So let's say right here would be things you put up that would represent a thriving private practice. You know, like a picture or an image of a full appointment book, right? Client testimonials, you know, awaiting them. However this would work for you, right? And again, it would tie into this, you know, which would tie into this, right? And let's say down, um, let's say up here you have like a hobby you absolutely love that you want to do more of, right? So you put things up here. In my case, it'd be like horses, right? There's a barn, right? And I've added like help at the horse in the barn, you know? Help because that shit can get time consuming and, you know, they got to eat even when we're, I'm out of town. Like all of you wonder why you never see me and my wife at the same place. Yes, we, we are together. It's just one of, if I'm at a conference, somebody's got to take care of the horses, right? And if she's up north visiting people, I got to be down here taking care of the horses, okay? Uh, it's been a long time since we got to go somewhere together. So maybe would have help. Just like with your house, with your perfect house, you could put a little thing in there about, oh, look, you have a full-time cleaning person. Or somebody comes in and helps you clean five days a week, whatever it is, right? And then let's say you want to be a public speaker. So down here is a, a bunch of stuff of you doing public speaking. So you got some role models. I always say use role models. So here's like Tony Robbins, uh, Joe Vitale, you know, my favorite, Billy Blanks, right? Uh, some other people down here, right? So this is your, and then maybe a picture of, you, of, a, of a room you know, with a full audience. You know how you can get those shots online where it shows you looking out to a full audience that all those guys that are guaranteed to show you how to fill a room, you know, even though they haven't left their goddamn basement in five years, but they make a great ad, right? So you got that, right? And maybe there's something, another part of your career you want. So you got your practice, you got your public speaking or teaching. Maybe, you know, this would be a full classroom. Maybe you're, if you want to teach, maybe that could be up here, right? Let's say you want to write a book, and those of you who've been around me when I do like how to write a book, one of the first things I tell everybody is get a working title, right? Then go on Fiverr and have people create you a, a, a cover. Doesn't mean you got to use it. It's only five bucks if you, it's called Fiverr for a reason, you get the cheap ones, five or 10 bucks. And they create a, 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 your book how your book will look, right? It doesn't mean you have to use it, but then you'll have a vision of it, you know? And I, I tell people, hire like two or three people. So just break the farm and go buy, go spend 30 or 40 bucks and get three different versions of your book, you know, helping people in crisis, if that's the book you want to write. So you have to think, so you could put, a, put one of those, put, put your book here, right? But wait, there's more, right? And so let's say you have another profession that you have here. So you pick role models, you pick uh, something that would represent this other thing. So your brain can grab all these things. 
right? Does this make sense to everybody? Right? So here's here's my here's my idea that I hope we can all do is and you need to put this somewhere where you can see it. Everybody knows me all and say when you first wake up in the morning and before you go to bed. Because when you first wake up in the morning, your brain is searching and rebooting. You're literally coming to your senses. Correct? Those of us that sleep deep and you're groggy, even before you stagger down the hallway to get your coffee or whatever you do, if you could glance at your vision board, right? But the way you do it would be a little bit different. You glance at the whole thing, right? Great. And then I would, and then we focus on this for a few seconds. That image that represents it overall, like I, whatever it would do for you. There's the house and there's the picture of you, right? And then pick one target for that day. Not everything, just one target. So, so you, you see the, the, the overall picture and then let's say you focus on your speaking. Just like a laser beam, you know, like a like a spotlight. You look at that for 15 seconds, right? Because this supports, you know, this you being a public speaker or a teacher helps support you getting this stuff that you want, right? And then the next day, you you pick something else. So you focus on you see the overall, and then you might pick uh, your book. Right? And so you can do this, right? And so you're kind of bouncing around. And now, lastly, as you're doing it, I suggest that behind the picture, right? Behind the picture, you can you can put little notes to yourself of what you're gonna have to do to get to that point. Right? So if you're gonna pick the book. So you look at the overall, oh, when I have this best-selling book, it may help me get this stuff that I want. Okay, so there's the book. Well, how do you write a book? You gotta have an idea, you gotta have an outline, you gotta sketch it out, and then whatever method you choose to write the book. Maybe you're gonna write a thousand words a day. Uh, you know, maybe you're gonna farm most of it out. You're gonna outline it and hire a ghostwriter. God knows we see that a lot, it, you know. Or what if you say, okay, I, I want to write this book. I'm better at talking than I am writing a book. So I'm going to record basically a class on the subject, have it transcribed, and then turn the transcription into a book. Right? So whatever works for you. So if, And if like your ideal body is like whatever, 12, in my case, 12% body fat, you know, flexibility, things like that. Well, that means I have to actually start stretching more. Uh, I have to eat a little healthier if I want to get to 12% body fat, right? I'm currently at about 15 or 16, give or take a little bit, right? So there's certain things I know. And so if that's kind of behind it, your brain understands, okay, this is my overall goal. This will help me get it, but there are steps I got to do to get there. All right. Does this make sense to everybody? Does this make sense? Okay, now, great. Now, the other thing I think that is so important that I think I forget sometimes is again, like our runner running toward that marathon, 
they're picking markers like that, like the person 150 yards up there with the orange shorts. I can see them. It's a marker and I'm going to get there, right? So do you either consciously find getting to some of these goals, what's, what's the marker to get there? What's the success thing that will keep you going? All right. What's the so if it's writing a book, is it like first the outline? My first target's the outline, right? What's the next one? Um, whatever would work for you. Mine would be the outline. Then I'd sketch out, you know, the beginning and the end of each chapter in the outline. That's it. That's all I do. Basically. But whatever works for other people, right? So you need those markers because I'm going to tie it in to a, the, another rat study. One thing psychologists are good at is torturing rats. And the next study is rather brutal, you know, but hey, I talk about the one where they addicted rats to cocaine and before their hearts exploded, they would do these experiments. But in this one, they took a rat and they threw it in like a, a, a glass of water and the rat was gonna drown, right? And they would notice how long did the rat fight to survive before it gave up, sank to the bottom, and dropped. Right? And it was around 15 minutes is how long the rat would struggle. Right? And then it would drown. And they replicated this over. Yes, it's a cruel experiment, but it's what they did. And then the one, one of the things they changed, well, one of the um, control things was they would let the rat get to the point of about that 15 minute mark when most rats would start to give up and start to drown. They would scoop the rat out and let it get, you know, and, and revive it, if you will, or let it get better. Right? And then what they found, yeah, this Walter Mays, yeah, the, yeah, rodent studies, the swimming pool. What they found is the rats that were saved, after they let them get a little healthy, they threw them back in the water. Guess how long they would tread water? Remember, before it was about 15 minutes, give or take a little bit. I don't have the study in front of me, but let's say, you know, 10 to 20 minutes is what they would tread water and then they would drown. So how long do you think after they got the rat out and it was saved and they got help, you know, dried out, ate, got replenished, when they threw it back in the water, how long do you think the rats would tread water? Right? Okay. Well, it was close to 60 hours. Right? Because they knew help might come. They knew help might come. Because if you think help will come, you will fight harder. Right? There's a reason why. The United States military stresses, we never leave people behind. Help is on the way. It wouldn't be very encouraging if you're in the firefight, if you heard, yeah, good luck. We'll see ya. You know, if in the back of your mind, help is on the way, will you, would you not fight harder? Would you not struggle harder? And that's what the rats would do, right? And so what, to take that kind of thinking, have you ever felt like you're drowning, ladies and gentlemen? Have you ever felt like you're overwhelmed? Yes. Have you ever just gave up? Yes. Right? 
So if you give yourself those markers and you think help is coming in some way, shape or form, it's much more, you, you'll keep struggling more. Right? And I don't wanna say struggle, but you'll keep going toward the goal, right? And again, by breaking it down into small enough chunks and, and rewarding it, then you're, it, it lights up your neurology, I think. So what if you re, redo your vision board so you can't see it, so that's good, right? So I redid mine, right? There's there's like a little picture of a body, he's in great shape, there's a house, cleaning person five days a week, uh, Netflix original, Amazon originals, right? Uh, Multi-project deal, uh, there's a New York City apartment over here, right? Down here, these are all movie, a few of these, you, you, well, if you knew the business, you might know they're uh, directors, but these other people are what they call showrunners, which are the people that control TV shows, right? Of course, there's money down here. Over in this corner is Joe Vitale, Tony Robbins, Billy Blanks for my speaking career. Up there's my horses. There's like splits and, and more perfect health. So that's kind of a, a different way of looking at it. So that's a, a rough idea <laughs> in a way of... Um, one method, maybe, to use how your neurology works to tie it into a vision board, a vision board. So I'm going to stop the recording now, and then we can talk. But I just wanted to get that on the thing. So if you have any questions, reach out, get in touch with me, and uh, I'll see you as we explore the road to happy destiny. Okay, good. Now the recording's off. Whew. That's a lot of work. All right. That was awesome. I that love was it. Beautiful. I was really intrigued by that rat study. I mean, I was totally, totally shocked. But you know what? Yeah, when there's hope, it's like you can go on forever. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Totally I wondered. Amazing. When you were saying, you know, do you know what will happen next? Do you know what they'll do? Do you know? I'm like, no, no, I don't. What are they going to do? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, what would I do? And I'm like, I have no idea, you know. So let me ask my uh, research psychologist in my vision is in the corner, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Schilling. Billy. Billy, what do you think of the concept? Whether it works or not, we don't know. We got to do it. <clears throat> uh, well, uh, Will, I, I did read the book, and, uh, and it was quite clear that some people are able, the way they approach the world, the way they learn to parse things out, that they can identify things and, and chunk what they can do and lay it out in a, in a way, in a progression that achieves their ultimate goal. And, and other people just see that end goal and never, never figure out what, what to do to get there. And the way you've, uh, you've put this, um, uh, all the pieces together to make that complete life, uh, what, what, the way you've laid that out, um, I'm thinking uh, people here that may be doing coaching as well, um, you can approach your vision board much like you look at what uh, back uh, anyone took an intro to psychology 
even 50 years ago, like, like some of us in this crowd, uh, you've seen the wheel of life where, uh, where uh, you have the like eight spokes where you're looking at what, what your personal relationships, your business success, uh, your, your health, uh, wealth. Um, I, there's seven or eight spokes usually like wedges on a pie. And, um, and the idea was that you wanted to get as far out on all the spokes as possible, showing that you had a uh, very fulfilling and balanced life. And the way you've approached this, I, I uh, think you can do much the same thing here. And you're, you'll become aware with your visual cues, what, what, what am I missing here? What do I need to do to direction? I think, uh, no, I, I like the way you put this together. Oh, all right. Well, it leads to, I'm going to do a talk in a week or two on, uh, and it, it's in that book. And then I went and read more. Why? The myth of having it all can destroy you. Wow. Right? Amen, brother. Yes, Miss Lee. Did you, were you? Well, unmute, unmute. We just want to hear I you. I was just you. giving you a thumbs up to say I agreed with everything Billy, Captain Billy said. I'd love you to see you, Captain Billy, I've missed our breakfasts at the NGH. <laughs> but no. Dear lady, this is um, you would say in German, uh, I don't know French that well, but I would say this is eine höchste angenehme Überraschung. A very great, unexpected pleasure to see you today. <laughs> Un grand plaisir de moi aussi. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, I, see. Oh, I think that's, is that Dr. John? It yeah. sounds like him. Hello, Dr. Good. John. Hey, how you doing, Miss Michelle? How you feeling today, dear? Uh, Dr. H, you did a great job as usual. Um, and you know what would be really cool as well? Uh, if you guys are, uh, is, 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 if, if monetary is, is, is huge for you, uh, have a, a picture or image, as Dr. H says, in your um, vision board of the money you want to have inside your bank. Ah. And this way, as you can see it each and every day, as well as if you want to be like the number one speaker or a renowned speaker, put down renowned speaker and see yourself in the lights of like a Tony Robbins, a Les Brown, and the list goes on, right? And then your brain will try to find, as Dr. H always picture, the freaking RAS will figure out ways and strategies of how to make that goal and dream take place. Dr. H, of how you broke that down was like poetry in motion. I loved it. It was um, well thought out. When you first started, I didn't know where in the heck of that you're going, but at the end, you summed it up completely, precisely, and right. I will switch my vision board up to make a little bit more steps. So thank you so much. Much appreciative. Well, if everyone could do this, if you're into vision boards, uh, if not, create one. What the heck? Uh, and now with the internet, you don't have to go buy $40 with the goddamn magazines like we used to have to do in the, in the 70s and 80s when I learned this, right? You have to go buy all these magazines, and GQ and Auto. and all. Now you can just Google it and get the images and put them up there. Uh, and then track it for like 90 days, right? You know, Dr. H, there's one small thing that you did in our last class, which really works really well. When we put down our mastermind group, on the side 
and have them talk to us. Well, that's what I do. I'm a little bit crazier. I have them talk to me when I, about my goals and dreams, like, you know, from a Napoleon Hill for Tony Robbins. I, I even have conversations with you even at times, Michael Jordan, right? But the cool thing about it is when you have your peers or when you have your mastermind groups love of what you're doing and plus of what you added as well, it's going to even, it's going to even, it's just supersize it even more. Dr. John, I have um, on my buddy board or mastermind board, um, and, and this is just funny. I, I don't know. It popped into my head. I have Bill Gates in the top left of my buddy board. So maybe, I don't know, I'll be number two. 400 billions Wait. calling my name. I don't know. Well, matter of fact, you know those <laughs> Chocolate, my dear, you can do anything. Oh. I agree with you. <laughs> yes. I uh, Well, thank you, darling. Um, I did want to say about the money thing that you just mentioned also. Um, have a picture of the money you want in the bank. So are you should I put like my actual, a picture of my actual bank, like Wells Fargo, and then put money over it? Exactly. Like Wells oh, Fargo, okay. 250, 250,000. Yeah. And okay. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I, I forget where I heard it. And I know I've heard Tony Robbins say it is it doesn't take as much money to live wealthy as people think it does. Yeah, true. With a life-changing amount, you know, but he, oh, 20 mil. For most of it, I, and I heard him, was it, uh, it was the most arrogant thing and, and uh, the DJ got in trouble for it because they were doing something and uh, they had somebody that won like $550,000 after taxes on a lotto. And everybody's like, oh, this, and he, this one guy went, that's not life-changing money. Well, you know, he's probably making two or three million a year. To him, it's not. But to a school teacher, 550 grand after taxes could be life-changing money. Set for life. If you if you do it right. So, and that makes it easier. I think that was at a Tony Robbins seminar. His finance guy said, you know, everybody starts pitching these, you know, millions and millions. And it might just be, and that's a much more you know, kind of going along the thought of more accessible. How about, ready, Billy, you ready to chant? How about, Danea? Danea! Danea! Oh my God, you guys, that's so good. Uh, Dr. Will, I thought this was absolutely amazing. I loved, it all made so much sense. You know, sometimes when I look at my vision board, um, you know, I'm expanding myself into believing that I can actually do it. And to look at it, it can be overwhelming. So I really like how you broke it down into having the center and then the four different quadrants and writing out the little things. It's like, you know, you can ask yourself those questions. What can I do to take me one step closer to my goal? But this just creates more, um, it's more specific. And, and Dr. John, I love the idea about the money in the bank. And that's just, this is awesome. I'm really excited. Definitely going to change up my vision board and put it beside my bed. First thing I see and last thing I see. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Cool. All right, everyone. That was fun. I had a good time. Uh, yeah, so do whatever you want in your vision board. Have fun with it. Over in the corner, I have 
great sex life. I guess I should include my wife. Um, what a bing, boom, bang, tough crowd. I'm here all Thursday. Tell your friends. Awesome. Anyway. Um, okay. Thanks, uh, Dr. Will. Yeah, next week. Let's see, what day is next week? I mean, look, I'm not sure. I think next week I may have to skip. I'm not sure. I may be working next on- Next week is the 12th. Oh, I may be, I don't know if it's a day shoot or a night shoot. I'll know later. So that's on my vision board. So, you know, so yeah, awesome. I have to go do it. So, all Thanks. right, everyone, keep in touch. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. How do you guys take care of Bye. Thank you. Bye, Tania. Bye, Yvonne.